Good evening. Yeah. Uh, when I party. Thank you, Mac. All right, welcome back. This week we've got Scotty Russell. He is a creative side hustle coach, and I have been following him for a couple of years now. He works on helping people that have full-time jobs on the things that they are passionate about and turn that into a full-time career. So follow his podcast at Perspective Collective or at Coach Scotty Russell on Instagram. But first, headlines. For business... Elon Musk moves Tesla out of California, moving it to Austin, Texas. The Silicon Valley Metro housing, the medium house is going for 1.7 million and the median house price in Fresno where the headquarters of Tesla was or currently is at the moment is planned to hit 834,000 by 2022. We also have the Facebook whistleblower we covered a little bit last week. She now has a face, Frances Haugen, who is the who has appeared before Congress and has been running through Facebook controversy. Uh, very funny skit on SNL if you guys haven't checked it out. Uh, she does plan on going in front of the board at Facebook to discuss plans of action. Life and Art. The 25th installment of James Bond, No Time to Die, was released in the past week, and it grossed $56 million in North America in week one. And Dave Chappelle released his final chapter of his Netflix specials, The Closer. In sports, big headline news in sports, Bama loses to Texas A&M, and it is their first loss to an unranked team since 2007, Nick Saban's first loss to an assistant in his career, and their first overall loss since 2019. Hockey is back. We'll cover more of it next week. We have a pretty cool guest coming on. And also the Red Sox won their series against the Tampa Bay Rays. And now for playoffs in baseball, Big Baby David. Okay, playoffs. Yeah. Playoffs, playoffs. It starts at 2 and then goes all day or one and all. I guess we can start there. And those games are, are pretty high scoring. So it seems like the Rays and the Red Sox know each other pretty well. They're, they are they are offensive heavy. Yeah, both teams are <laughs> – they've been, they've been hitting. Uh, I mean, it's just – I guess particularly – yeah, it's not that surprising. The Red Sox lineup is kind of what carried them most of the year. But uh, just the Rays pitchers are also good and they – they usually get you every good matchup and and all that. But right now, I mean, Sox are they haven't won today yet, but they're sitting in a pretty good spot. At minimum, they're keeping it close, so the Rays have to use all their good pitchers. But yeah. they're up they're up by one right now. Franco, I think, just homered. Franco, Franco. Um, so they're sitting in a in a pretty good spot. Yeah. Um. So as you know, I live tweeted for the first time and got my heart broken in front of the world. Um, mm. It's exil it's exhilarating. I have not used my Twitter account in months. Felt like this is a big game. And I realized that I went through my messages and that I had been hacked in March of 2020. So I haven't used it <laughs> since then. It's Apologies to, I know, apologize to everybody who got that Ray-Ban ad in the messages. <laughs> um, so I, I went out there and as uh, you're, a, you're a pretty well-known uh, tweeter, so both of us had our hearts broken in the wild card game. And I asked you which one you would rather have. And uh, yeah, I think losing to my rival would probably be 
easier than what happened with the Cardinals. Yeah, I um, yeah, I mean, at least it was. It it, it all if the second Cole came out and got hit around it, it felt like a bigger leave than it was. So it was fairly easy to to get over, uh, especially this year just with all the work we do and all that. And the Yankees played a very uninspiring brand of baseball all season, so. They really didn't deserve to to do better than they did, and uh, you know this is the type of team that loses in the wild card game after 162 games of bleh. It was uh, it was yeah. all right. The cards yeah. they were inspiring down the stretch, and uh, I think that's the hardest in as heartbreaking a fashion as you can. That's that's the hardest part about it is the inspiring part about it. It wasn't, and I'm not gonna act like I was there with them the whole season. I I was like in in August. I was like, okay, this isn't happening. And then they go on a run and it's like, okay, well, this seems like 2006, Right. Right. Like the rally squirrels coming back. And it was, it was tough. And at least it wasn't Pujols because I said it on Twitter. It was like, just don't let it be Pujols. Don't let it be Pujols that does it. And when he hit it, like it seemed like he made contact. Yeah. That one made your stomach uh, drop. So it was. I think, even, I think even like the people who aren't actually fans of either team, but even the people that were like rooting against the Dodgers in that moment, like everyone was like, "Well, I want to see Pools hit the homer here. That'd be. That's just that's just what happens. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And as Cardinals fans, we are just thankful that it wasn't like the Brad Lidge home run against the Astros <laughs> yeah. in 04 where he hits it literally out of the ballpark and <laughs> as, it's just as everybody looking shot you'll find <laughs> right <laughs> so it was a relief in that sense heartbreak one batter later i i don't know if you go to the pen on that one it it does make sense though with the contact that he made it yeah, i'm trying to remember the exact sequence because that's when because because yeah, got gallegos got hurt i think if he if he was good to go, they would have wrote him out one more inning, and and who knows what happens. I mean, maybe the same thing happens, but uh, but he was one of the guys you trust there, and uh, for him to go out, they they played the matchup as best they could. They had him go out, warm up again, then bring in the lefty. So they they kind of won that managerial move a little bit. But then uh, then when he had to go to Reyes, who who I my understanding is the Cardinals fans don't trust him. Um, I it's thought tough. that he had a. I thought that he had a pretty good run in the middle of the season, where he'd only blown one save out of like twenty eight. So I I remember yeah. that little run, and he's a local. Back check that, um, but he's from St. Louis, um, and awesome. I mean he's just got the. I thought that he had a, a pretty good standing with. Um, what was his first name? Uh, Alex Reyes. Alex, that's it. Alex Reyes. Huh, maybe not. Um, it looks like, is he a Jersey guy? That's what, I, yeah, name. it says Jersey, yeah, which is not Elizabeth. Uh, St. Louis. Uh, so yeah. we're going we're gonna to eliminate that part out of the podcast. Um, <laughs> um, so, yeah, maybe they don't trust him. I, I did not follow it closely. Um, so we're going to go with you and say they didn't trust him. So it's interesting that they went to him. And McPherson, who was in AAA, 
I can understand, or in AAA at the beginning of the season, I can see where that's a tougher decision yeah, to stick with him. Getting the matchup or whatever. There. You, gotta, you gotta get the matchup. Either way, tough way to go out. Just not the Cardinals' year. So who, who's you're still sticking with the Giants? Giants just find ways to win. I mean, I think I think whoever between Giants and Dodgers survives that series is is who it is. And and the most recent game between them were the Dodgers. Got a got a rather a rather decisive victory. Um, feels like the time it might they might have uh, finally overtook them when all year the Giants have just like kept up the pace, played ahead of them. But now you know it's just whoever wins three games first. So we'll we'll see. But, but those are those got to be the two favorites right now. And what's the series right now? Uh, tied two two going. Uh, today's their off day as we're recording this, but they're back Monday night for game three. Back to oh so uh, one, so one wait one one yes we're tied one one okay you said two two just making sure ah and yeah in, after game two got it okay one one after game two um awesome well I I agree with that that's I would say that those two teams are the best in the NL it also seems like the Rays and the Red Sox with how how much scoring is going on whoever comes out of that series I could see them coming out of the AL. So that's who yeah, I'm going to go They both seem to be getting getting pretty hot at the plate. And uh, yeah, we'll see. And the Astros are just just as built for October as AL can be kind of whoever. Besides, I mean, it's hard to believe in the White Sox right now. Obviously, they, they can win three in a row. Um, and, and we'll see, hopefully tonight. Because I would not, personally not like to see the Astros do it. But uh, no. But the Ashes are really, really good. They're a really good team. What? Where's the live stream going to be? Um, where can people find you? Give your give your plug. Oh yeah, the Twitter is at Big Baby David with the underscore on it. Some guy claimed it and hasn't used the account in a very long mm. time, so I have the underscore there. No underscore on the Instagram. It's just Big Baby David straight up. Our live streams were. Doing more or less one one game every day. We took this Saturday off, but I think the rest of the way we're only taking days off if there isn't games. Uh, so over at the Talking Baseball YouTube channel, you can watch uh, watch along with us. I think if we're almost always going to be like the night game any given day. I'm sure at some point we'll have an afternoon one, but for now that's the plan. I'd love to see it. You guys do great work. It's fun, and uh, we appreciate having you on. Appreciate it. And now Scotty Russell. I've followed your journey for for a couple of years now and to see you progress from a creative to a creative coach and actually find what you truly want to do it's it's awesome to see you have no fear of of going and getting what you want but also putting yourself out there in situations that that are pretty uncomfortable for some people I listened to your individual podcast today where you talked about um, being a recovering people pleaser. I love that phrase. And it's like to be able to go into your creative space, but also in your situation to have no fear of bringing other people in and saying, Hey, let's, let's do this together. It's awesome to see. And it's something that I've drawn inspiration. So I appreciate the kind words and I would, I'd be lying if I didn't say I wasn't afraid. Um, I'm just really like to lean into doing the things that scare me the most. Cause that seems to always be where I was uh, hesitant to lean in on in the past, which always made me play it safe, passively exist, feel sorry for myself, be a victim. 
And so, yeah, now I'm like, okay, there's a difference between fear and excitement. You know, I, I've realized like excitement, if it's something I'm really excited about and it makes me nervous and scared, you know, that's just like the lizard brain telling me to play, play it safe, go the route you always know, because I can only measure what I could lose. I can't measure what I could gain on this invisible wall of fear. So yes, that's what I like to teach my students too. And um, I find that puts me on the fast track for growth. Yeah. And so how did you want to go from just a creator? Cause I'm in the stage right now where I, I still love illustration. That's how I got started. Uh, one of my coworkers got me interested in, in your podcast and your creative grind and kind of just figuring that, out by the way, Dustin Gilliland. And so he's, he's shout out to with, Dustin, shout out to Dustin. And then Brian Steely, who's also in the creative <sighs> realm down here in Atlanta. Um, and so following you three, it's been awesome to go towards that passion of mine that I didn't even realize that I had. So just to give you a little better background on myself, uh, I majored in economics in college. And so I don't know if you can get any farther away from creative when you're, when you're going into the economic world. But for myself, it kind of clicked in the world of economics when I learned about telling stories with data and loving how you can create different narratives with numbers and now being able to be on the marketing side it's fun to create visually and so being able to combine the two is exciting and in my free time i enjoy having conversations with people i enjoy illustrating and things like that and so just to be able to go towards that it took somebody really telling me hey you got to go do this. Like you're talented. It's fun for you. Why not? And the only thing keeping me for so many years were the people kind of telling me, yeah, I stay in your lane. And so how did you kind of get out of your lane or even push forward to go toward what you're passionate about? Back in the day, I always drew, like I was always, I always drew ever since I was a kiddo, but getting bullied, picked on. Um, I was always scared to like, share that I was an artist. And then it wasn't until like college where a buddy stumbled across a fat ass stack of sketchbooks. And he was like, yo, you need to post this. So like, that was the, the number one thing is just like, just sharing stuff in the first place, which got me uncomfortable. But over time I shared more. I finally found a little affirmation, some validation with my artwork uh, through Instagram. You know, that really changed the game for me. I'm like, Oh my God, people, people like what I do. I, I, you know, I was, that was my oxygen for the longest time recovering people pleaser. Cause I never had that before. I never really had the popularity or the cool kid or anything. That was always something I was seeking and trying to like portray this identity of myself that I wanted. Cause I, I always lacked that growing up, you know, the acceptance, the community. And then I also, the people I looked up to like the Brian Steely's and the Draplins or the Lisa Condon's, they all were huge in the world of freelance, this and that, and uh, had their own merch or had their own products, had the big name clients. And I thought that's the route in order to be successful. You know, I have to follow the footsteps because success leaves clues. You know, I think Tony Robbins said that. I'm like, okay, this is the route I got to go to get the clout, get the respect. People only take me seriously if I'm a full-time freelancer hustling with big ass names and chasing that route just felt empty it felt like I was climbing up the wrong ladder, forcing something to work. When on the side, I'm like, man, I like having conversations. I've always like, I was a coach in college. I was a coach doing high school football and I love to draw. Like, why can't I blend these two worlds together? I don't really know anybody else doing it. So I guess it doesn't mean I can do it. And I like suppressed that for years and I kept forcing the freelance route. And finally I went to a conference. 
uh, Lewis House, Summit of Greatness, and he was just like, yo, are you chasing the glory or are you chasing the impact? And I'm like, ugh, this world of chasing the glory kind of Fs with my head a little bit, you know? It gives me anxiety. I'm constantly trying to create to please other people, trying to get that clout, trying to get that next feature, trying to show my worth and attract a big client when really it's like, no, I like having conversations. I like doing the podcast. I like getting messages like, whoa, Scotty, that felt like that episode was created just for me today. I'm like, that's the zone of genius. That's the world I need to chase versus the zone of excellence of drawing and freelance. You know, how can I bring the world that I'm good at and bring it to the world that like truly lights me up and just slowly figuring it out over time. And it turned into coaching. Never saw this path coming, never could have foreseen it. And I'm just big on going with my gut, you know, chasing the excitement. And now I'm like, okay, where can I make the most impact and provide the most value? And with that comes more opportunities and then the money and the glory come with that. So it's like, stop putting myself first and the accolades and chase a bigger picture. Yeah. That makes sense. I feel like I'm rambling. Not at all. Absolutely. And it makes sense because when, when you're chasing after the money, it becomes like you lose track of why you got into it. And that's been something with me where doing this podcast, it's not that I'm chasing money. It's that, I feel like, oh my gosh, I got to keep having conversations with people. I got to keep finding new guests. And it's like, well, hold on. Why did you get into this in the first place? And I have to take a step back and say, I just wanted to have conversations with people during quarantine. I just wanted to have an understanding of where people were at, what kind of things they were doing to stay sane when they're in isolation and just learn stories. Everybody, I feel like from age five to a hundred, enjoys hearing a good story and that's where I just found enjoyment and it was like all right I'm going to now hit record save it for myself and let's see where this goes and um, you talked about in that same podcast the solo one where you you started doing things for yourself and this was something I found to be really selfish but getting those texts and and emails from people saying hey like this was something that I really connected with that was, that was it. But I often lose track of, Hey, just have a conversation and see where it goes. You have no idea what kind of impact it's going to have on somebody else. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I, this has been the hardest thing I've ever done as a podcast, but the most rewarding thing, like, dude, this shit is a, I don't know if I can swear here. This stuff is a job. Like it can be a grind as you know, are you doing it solo to editors or anybody yet? Like I, I, I did it all myself for the first year and a half. It's a grind. It's a weekly show. But at the same time, I'm in the business of relationship marketing and relationships at the end of the day is everything to me. I get to brush shoulders with the people I look up to most in this industry and try not to be a fanboy over certain things and keep my cool. So I get it. And at the end of the day, it's like relationships are everything. Relationships. When I lost my job a couple of years ago, I got to like lean on all those people I met at conferences or people that I've had on the show or when I need a favor, it's like I've built all these relationships and I can return the favor back. I can use this platform to bring a voice or bring attention to other people who deserve a spotlight, who may not get it, um, who, who may not have the opportunity to get it on their own or somehow, you know, like that's, that's what this has become. But in the end of the day, it was for me to just work through shit that I had on my mind, things I struggle with, anxiety, creative funks, depression, being broke as a creative, all these different things that allowed me to grow. It was like a a audio journal 
in a sense to document my stages and growth. So if someone's listened all the way back to episode one to like where I am now, it's a completely different person, but at the same, same person at the same time, you know? Right. And one of the most difficult things for me was putting these conversations out. And I had a friend say, you are being selfish for not putting these things out. This is for everybody else. Props and to your friend. Was, absolutely. And he is shout out Dion Wilkins. And he, he said also, he said, people don't want to see perfection at first. They want to see growth. And when he said that, it was like, oh my gosh, like it just, it clicked Post for the me. turds. Post the at, turds. I'm doing my best to get the turds out of my system. I had a friend say something very similar and I love that you say post the turds, but he said, you're in the sucking stage and don't be afraid to be in a sucking stage. This is great. You're here now, you're figuring it out and you're going to keep growing from here. And just that reality of, you know, you have your own reality and you have the reality of what is, is perception and, and everything else. And it's, it's something that you know, everybody has to battle with, but especially as a creative, you being in your head all the time, it, it's hard to sometimes get out of it. But, you know, for, for myself, having a corporate job and also a side hustle, I know you had that same experience. How did you work to, to balance the two and really stay dedicated to the creative after all of the mental energy that has been used during the, during the day? Um, I will add to what you said about the suck. Uh, there's always a next level of sucking that we should always be chasing because otherwise we get complacent. So mm. yeah, Very true. chase the next Very level true. of suck for sure. Like I'm in another beginner stage this year of sucking at new things. And that means I'm growing if I'm always finding the new level to suck at. So uh, one, I feel like if, if you really want to do your thing full time or really like take your side hustle seriously, whatever the pursuits of it are, I, I would say most people who I talk to or I coach have the dream of taking their side hustle full time one day. Some people are unicorns and like they love their day job and they just want this on the side to complement it, fulfillment bucket. So I'm going to take it through the lens of people that really want to do their thing full-time one day self-employment doing their dream job long-term who truly give a shit about the work they create and the impact they create um, on the right people so from that lens i feel like you have to truly get like borderline obsessive in a sense of like i can't turn this off i can't turn this off. i'm in so love with my work that yes, it was a hobby at one time, then it became a side hustle, then it became a full-time grind. But man, every step of the way of finding that hobby and turning it to the next step, I couldn't shut it off. I feel like there's got to be that healthy level of obsession where uh, I think Boss Dog was on recently. He was like, you just know when that other person you're talking to is weird. You could see it in their eyes. They can't turn it off. Like they love their work so much. They love the impact that they're creating. And I think that's where it's got to be. I call it the sweet spot, the overlap of something you're really good at. Um, a strength, something you're really passionate about, you know, passion, something you enjoy. And that's like phase one. And then phase two is where's the market for it? Where's the demand? What's the solution, the value? Who is needing what you have to offer? To me, that's like a phase three. But if you can lock down the overlap of your greatest strength and passion in the beginning, that's enough to fuel you during the times where it's not convenient, waking up early to work on your side hustle, to clock in over your lunch break, to like put your dream first before your day job and then go to your day job and then go back into your side hustle. You know, that's what it was for me. I truly really just loved the work that I was doing when I wasn't forcing it, trying to make money from it from like freelance perspective. And I'm like podcast and um, gosh, like 
public speaking or whatever it was, it was, it would be insane. I felt bad not doing it. Felt gross not doing it. I felt empty. And yeah, it wasn't convenient. But at the end of the day, it's like, I want to do this full time one day. No one's going to make my dream happen for me. And I grew up playing that victim. I'm like, okay, no, I'm in control. I'm in control right now. If it's something I really love to do, then, you know, I, I got to be a professional about it. What would a professional do? What would a hobbyist do? What would a toddler do? Toddlers and hobbyists do stuff when it's convenient. And if I want to get to where I want to be and change my family tree, do go farther than anybody in my family's ever done, set a great path for my kids, no one's going to do that for me. So it's something I really, really love to do. But then there's also that intentional strategy and mindset of like, this isn't supposed to be easy. You know, the people doing their thing full time, it just didn't happen overnight. It wasn't just like, oh, voila, here is your dream on your lap. You know, so to me, it's, I, I feel like that's a roundabout answer, but it's just mindset, something I really loved, something I really enjoyed. And over time that it evolved into where I could find the service, the need, or people, the audience, the community, they would tell me what they were struggling with. I'm like, okay, let's, let's hit on this. I feel uniquely qualified to speak towards that. And it seems like there's a demand. And things yeah, just kind of happen from there. Right. And you have the areas where you enjoy, but to be able to strategically pivot to what you want to do or what you think you should be doing, and understanding the market and where it's going is, is easy in some sense. But for you going into side hustle coaching, when there's no really- I don't know anybody else doing it. Exactly. It's <laughs> no like, how do you know no that framework. this is the- how do you know this is the push that you need to make? So it's just that much more difficult. It was a it, gut, gut, man. I, I'm big on, <clears throat> I'm, I'm kind of woo-woo person too. Number 11, 11, signs, omens. All right. I used to not be, I was very closed off to all of that a long time ago. And versus like logic and going with the data and the metrics, like economics, that's something I'm getting into now more. I was creative first, then I flipped on marketing switches. And now I'm more like economics, data, spreadsheets, financial investing, all that stuff. So like, that's the next phase I was trying to grow into. But at the end of the day, I was like, just purely artist first. And I projected what I needed the most, like what saved my life when I was super depressed and rock bottom after college, not being able to get a job for three years was self-help personal development content. It saved me. And then I channeled that in my lettering. And then that ends up coming heavy into my content, you know, motivation, marketing, and mindset, I would say are like my three pillars. And that's what I needed. Those are the levels of the mindset that got my ass in check. The motivation that keeps me going, it's easier to stay up than it is to keep falling down and get back up. And then the marketing is what I layered on after that. So those were like the levels I navigated. That's what I project in my content. I created for my perfect person, which was me. You know, I created for the lost version of myself five years ago. And just vulnerably telling my story, your storyteller, you get it. That attracted more like-minded people. I don't have a snowflake story. I don't have a silver spoon. I didn't go to a big design school. I don't have huge fancy clients. So, you know, who would take me seriously? But it's because I just showed up consistently over time and I built something that I truly gave a shit about, you know, and it meant something to me. And over time, it means something to someone else too. Absolutely. And they want to see you grow as a person and they feel like they're growing. It's like, okay, I'm exactly. with you. Like, they, yeah, jump in the car. This is a journey. Come along for the ride. I will teach you whatever I know along the way. 
so you don't fuck up plenty of times like I have. Let me help you bypass a couple hurdles and let me help you just get out of your own way so you can just like blaze your own path on your own terms too. You know, yeah, that's what lights me up at the end of the day. I'm for the common people. I love it. <laughs> I love it. And that's all you need is you just need that, that person there with you to understand, hey, like if you think that you're off the wall or weird or anything, it's like there are people just like you. And when you, you get into the creative space, there's so I'm like, talking to Dustin about it. You're, you're in your head so much <laughs> and you're, you're wanting to, to create for yourself so much that it's hard to sometimes create for others. And he said, well, you have to turn it into a job at some point. And I was like, well, why? I want to create for myself. And he was like, well, you have to understand what kind of things other people need. And um, following one of your, your friends made by James, and I know you've had him on the podcast too. It's, it's cool to see that, you know, when you're creating for yourself and you think it's awesome, there are some times where you need that person with you because you're going to get kicked by your clients and that's going to be tough. And it's similar to when you're putting out a podcast, I'm putting out a podcast, all of a sudden it's like, well, why, why aren't these people listening to it? Or why isn't this response happening? It's like, you're good. It's all about the journey. You have to accept it and trust that people are going to come along with you. And, and I think that's that phases I was talking about. I feel like we often worry about the external results, like the likes, the shares, the comments, um, whatever, you know, those, those um, analytics, you know, vanity metrics, when most people focus on doing the internal work. So it's like, I really work with students like, yo, let's do the internal work. So we're creating for ourselves at the beginning, you know, and, and hiring our inner child. Let's block out the noise. Let's stop searching Instagram for inspiration. Let's unfollow people who give us negative toxic feelings about ourselves do the inner work. Let's go through the exploratory season. Let's find your secret sauce. Let's find the shit that makes you weird so we can show that uniquely in your work. So over time, we can help you stand above the rise above the noise, you know, instead of shouting out into the void, writing trends, you know, doing work that truly matters to you. And over time through marketing, then we can flip the switch. Yeah, you're still creating for you at the end of the day. It's got to through this filter, it's got to like, you have to vibe to it. It's got to truly come from a unique place from you, your own thumbprint on it. But now we can start flipping some switches. Like, why should someone else care? You know, why should someone give two shits about what you have to say? And then you can start looking through the lens of, yes, this work is for me, but how can I start baking in extra pieces of value with what I call three buckets of value? Or can you educate someone? Can you entertain them? Or can you inspire them with someone, uh, with something, some of your content? It's telling your story in general. That's an example of, yeah, this is for you. You're um, working through some things that uh, you just need to go through to grow through. But at the same time, you're baking in value. Here's some, some tips along the way, some inspiration. Here's some education of like, don't do this and you'll go broke. Do this and um, you'll make money, passive income, whatever. By sharing your story, you can inspire, you still can educate, and you can still entertain. So I feel like that's the next phase. Figure out for yourself, do the internal work. And then once you've really found your creative groove, you found your pulse on what you're putting into this world, you vibe to it, you enjoy it, you like it. And you're starting to pay attention to the data. This performs well, this, 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 this. Now we can be like, okay, now why should someone care? That's that third phase of the value, the solution, the demand for what you're doing, the validation that maybe I can start monetizing this now. Perspective Collective, inside of freelance, the podcast, all that stuff was free for years. I was just putting out content, serving people. And then that led organically to coaching. It wasn't forced. I wasn't searching to like find paid ways of doing things like, 
just happen organically. Yeah. And you get to actually do the thing that you enjoy for your full-time job, but it, it takes that time, which like you said, it's just, it's tough when it's not served to fill people on a silver platter. And so one thing that I'm looking to do is create a platform for other people to, to be able to have their voice be heard. And I know that podcasting is something that you know, so many people have a podcast now and it's like, okay, well, what am I going to, you only have 24 hours in a day. So how are you going to be listening to it? So you said that you're somebody that looks at data and analytics as something that moves forward. What do you think of mediums like Clubhouse or TikTok that are more short form or more live that could take over podcasting? Where do you see the future of this going? I try not to get too overwhelmed. I'm big on like, I'm also a recovery, shiny object syndrome, Superman syndrome thing. So I like, I really try to be intentional of where I split my buckets of time in terms of like social platforms or something, something like TikTok just doesn't work for me. In the meantime, I used to do it. Pandemic hit kiddos at home, second baby, you know, that kind of ruined the TikTok time for me. Instagram's always been there for me. It gets stale. So I'm like doing a little reinvention of my myself there, but the podcast is through and through. I own that. That's where it is. That's where people can always find me in case all social media disappeared. You can always find my podcast on my website. Unless internet disappeared, then I'm fucked. But something like Clubhouse, <laughs> I entertain Clubhouse because I know what my strengths are. I'm good audio. I'm good video, just like talking versus more of my writing. I'm, I'm better on camera. I'm better audio. You could just hear it in my voice more. And so I'm like, okay, this could be a new platform where I can expand my reach, build different relationships from different circles. And so I just showed up. I'm like, yo, I'm going to make a commitment. I'm doing Clubhouse weekly once a week. I'm going to figure it out over there. And that's expanded my reach. I'm not, I'm nowhere like a Chris Doe status or anything there, but you know, I get a small group each week and it allows me to plant some seeds and show people the power of my coaching abilities. At the end of the day, the podcast, my content, everything, the strategy behind it is just to, here's a funnel to get someone access to me. And then here's the next funnel of maybe it's a one month coaching program. Maybe it's a product and here's the next level. They want more access to me. Here's a premium offering of group coaching or one-on-one coaching. So everything I do is just all aligned to get people in experience with me. Yeah. And that's, that's important because you don't get a one-on-one conversation always when it comes to a TikTok or even when it comes to a clubhouse, you get other people engaging in it. And it becomes less authentic than something like this, where it's that medium of one-on-one conversation and it's unfiltered. I personally don't see podcasts going anywhere. The data showing is just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Like even my grandma the other day was talking about podcasts. I'm like, <laughs> like what? You know about a podcast? You don't even know how to use Facebook. So like to me, that that's powerful. People I never would have thought know about podcasts or like knowing about podcasts. So um. But yeah, I, I, podcast is number one in my business when it at first was just a passion project. I didn't know what to expect and nobody listened at the beginning. It took me two years to really gain some traction. I didn't have the marketing switches flipped. I didn't know who my perfect person was. I didn't know who I was speaking to. I mean, I was just winging it, throwing stuff out there because people were like, yo, I had a good talk, a good speech at Creative South a couple of years ago. And people were like, you should have a podcast. And like the blog wasn't getting read. So I'm like, okay, maybe that's the next step. So, but the first two years I was just winging it, guessing it, throwing out there, lacked lots of strategy and tension. And once I started like really being intentional and strategic, that's when things really started happening for me. But 
Yeah, I would say since 2010, once I graduated college, I had just been winging it. So I would say I've been doing this for about 11 years, seven years for Perspective Collective. And just the last two years is when things really exploded in terms of like monetization, you know, but man, it's been seven years of doing Perspective Collective this month and just overall 10 years, three years in there was just like lost, soulless, like doing everything under the sun, trying to make a buck or find my path, trying to get a job doing it. So but yeah, just the last two years, things have truly exploded. So it's been a slow and steady grind. Like I'm, I'm not an overnight success preacher philosophy kind of person. I'm, hey, it's a slow and steady grind. Every time you show up, create and put something into this world, you're planting a seed. You know, so I'm in the seed planting business. When you see what you put together over this period of time, it's, it's cool because not only are you doing it with, with creative where it's very difficult to, to break through and actually make an impact, but you're you're helping others do the same thing which it it makes other people really encouraged to say okay this is this is something i feel passionate about and i can make it happen i don't have to go under a corporation i can be the corporation and that's that's difficult for a lot of people to really see because they do expect it and when when you have those soulless moments where it's like i don't know where to go you're able to now provide the guidance for people and say, yeah, this is, this is what I really wanted. And I just never stopped doing it. Never stopped playing those seeds. Yeah. I legit have created some type of weekly content since late 2013. So I would say at the end of the day, I may not be the biggest name out there, but people at least know like, Hey, Scotty's consistent. Yeah. If he says he's going to do something, he's going to do it. And yeah, I, when I commit, if I say I'm going to do something, like I'm going to be all in. I don't half-ass. What is it? Uh, don't whole ass. Don't half-ass one thing. Whole ass or don't half-ass two things. Whole ass one thing. Um, quote from oh my god, the dude from Parks and Recs. What's his name? Regardless, great quote. I'm like I'm all for it. Yeah, I'm all for it. I'm like that's that's the motto because I half-assed a lot of things. I was very inconsistent. I wasn't a person of my word was late to things all the time. You know, I couldn't be accountable. I'm like, dude, how is anybody going to take me serious if I don't take myself serious? Yeah. And you kind of have to go through those things that aren't that enjoyable to kind of go through it. And, um, you know, playing a sport in college was something that kind of helped me understand what schedule I needed to stay under. And it really helped me understand, okay, well, I've got this job right now and like right now I'm on my lunch break and it's like, this is something that I, I want to oh, do. Man, I, I was late to your recording. Oh my <laughs> goodness. Dude, I was, I was grinding on my lunch breaks. All my podcast episode recordings all happened over lunch, man. I love I, it. And get that's, it. that's how it happens. And it's like, once you understand the schedule of it, uh, you, you realize, okay, if you're passionate enough about it, go for it. And seeing yourself do it, it's, it's awesome to see just your little posts that have inspiration in it to say, just for example, post the turds. It's like, okay, like even if the things that I'm doing during my lunch break, after work, before work, don't, aren't perfect in my eyes, they're going to be perfect in somebody else's eyes because you only get a second and you're not going to get a like always. So it's like, what am I going to do today to make sure that I'm inspiring somebody else and you aren't going to get that gratification maybe ever, 
but it's important to to me and staying on that schedule was kind of the start of it to figure out hey this is this is what i got to do and being consistent is where it starts i would say yeah you said a lot within there for people. yeah sorry just about like that. golden <laughs> nodes like just just if i can distill some golden nuggets you just dropped to do your thing full-time one day or for people to take you serious time management learning how to strategically and be intentional with your time understanding priorities what is going to move the needle forward what are you saying yes to that doesn't push the needle forward and what are you saying what should you be saying no to to free up your time so you can say yes to me podcasting to you is like an a task that's an, a hell yes always because that's going to push the mission forward for you conversation storytelling also you said um oh my god uh, um not in posting imperfect work posting your turds i live yeah. with and breathe with my students of the 85 percent rule like if it's 85% there, let that shit fly. I'm in like a nutrition and uh, fitness program. It's like, as long as you're like eating clean 85% of the time, you're going to get incredible results. And I'm like, okay, cool. It doesn't mean you have to be hundred percent all the time. That's chasing perfection. And when you chase perfection, that leads to procrastination. So consistency, leaning into that 85% rule, time management, and then just like project prioritization. You know, those are like four, I think four things that are just, huge. So all the little things you're doing right now are setting the tone for you to do that shit for like the next 12 years. If you do do this on your own and, and sports was huge for me too. That was huge for me in terms of time management in college football, all these film sessions, games, coaching film sessions, uh, over our night classes, overloaded schedule, a day job pushing in carts at high V as well as an internship. I was like, man, I was just born to thrive in chaos. I've been handling my time like crazy since like middle school when I hit a car and had to get a job when I was 15, you know? So I, all I know is like time management, all those things that sucked growing up are like what I teach now. I'm like, Oh my God, people suck with their time. I'm going to hit a car. It's a huge opportunity. Middle school. Oh no. I said middle school, high school. I got into a car during a blizzard during a basketball (laughs) game. So 15 years old, I was like already working. So yeah, time management is like massive for me, but it's because of me taking on that schedule growing up. So yeah, I thrive in chaos. I had to learn how to do less, but better. You know, what should I be saying no to versus like, I'm going to say yes to everything. Yeah. And that's the most important thing is being able to say no. There's, there's been opportunities where I've been presented with projects and um, I've just shown people my work and I've been really fortunate to have them reach out and say, Hey, this is uh this is something I'd love you to design my stuff. And uh, I had one experience last year that um, the, the client was, was really great, but didn't want to put it on paper and sign a contract. And it's like, wait, well, I'm putting my time and energy into it. And at some point I'd love to be compensated for it. And I know that there's always a timeline with it, but if you're doing something strategic for them, at that point for me, it was hard to say no. It's like, okay, well, I'm getting exposure. I'm not getting paid. They're uncomfortable with it. So it's that internal battle. But after that, it's like, you just have to say no to some things. And that's the most important thing is when you are able to say no, then the yeses become more gratifying and you actually want to put your time and energy into that. You got to get shit on a couple of times to learn the hard way for sure. You know, I can teach my students all day this, but it's like, they got to just learn it and feel the stress of saying yes to too many things before they were like, okay, yeah, this is what he was talking about. Now you got to feel the burn. Absolutely. And you learn that over time. And 
I started working in my dad's warehouse, I think at age 11. And that was something that's like, okay, my dad instilled in me, okay, well, you just got to keep working. And uh, that that's where my mindset is. And being a creative, I think that's where when you are faced with the burnout, it's important to realize that you can't just keep working as a creative. You have to segment your time and really make sure that it's intentional and those things come out in, in different ways. But putting myself out there for a podcast, it's like, well, what, what does my audience intentionally want to, to hear and what kind of things are, are they getting out of it? So as you started to that two-year period, what kind of things were you kind of looking at to figure out what kind of things you need? So I would ask what people are struggling with. That's, that was the biggest thing. So I have like a document, an ongoing document of thousands of answers of what people's biggest struggles are in terms of pursuing their creative side hustle. I saw like a day job, thousands of answers. And that's over like seven years though. You know, I've been paying attention. I paid attention. I ask, then I listen, and then I serve. So the biggest thing is like time management. Okay. Knowing that someone sucks butt at managing their time how can I create a small piece of content around that to see how it performs? If that performs well, I will step it up and maybe make a little series of something that performs well. I'll maybe make a lead magnet that performs well. I'll maybe make a little first time MVP, minimal viable product, small paid resource. If that does well, maybe it becomes a course If that does well. Maybe I can offer coaching around it. So it's like, I, I listen, so I'm not guessing. And I, I, don't ever have to guess of what type of content to create again. And then I start noticing these themes and patterns. Here's a lot of time management. Here's a lot of imposter syndrome. Here's a lot of comparison trap. Here's a lot of engaged community building, growing an audience. Here's a lot of like boosting engagement kind of stuff. Here's freelance stuff. I don't really care about the freelance stuff. I don't want to speak to that. So maybe I'll bring a guest on to be more of an expert in terms mm -hmm. of pricing and stuff like that. So um, that's how I do it. It's like, I really listen. So, um, how I ask this question is when someone signs up for my, um, email list, I try to capture right away. What's your biggest struggle? You know, I want to, I don't want to guess when I'm putting something out there in the world. Um, let me serve you the best. What is your biggest struggle when it comes to X, Y, and Z and it. collect it, collect it. When someone signs up for my Facebook group, the perspective collective, if you're looking for free community, creative community around the world, um, one of the main questions they have to answer is like, what's your biggest struggle? There's just a secondary part. If people DM me asking me questions, I'll go and copy that and I'll go and document it. I'll go and put it in a bucket where see it lives. So now I see where the themes, I see where the patterns are. It helps me be more intentional with what I'm doing. And that's how I know I'm like hitting a pulse or striking a nerve on something. Yeah. And that's, that's something that you know, as I go through this process, I, I lean on, people like yourself a lot to be able to provide that content. And it's really cool how intentional that is. And it helps people like myself in this space, just figure out this is, this is what you need to do to actually understand your audience. And I love not being able to question because you have the answers here. They're willing to respond. There are tools out there to allow you to do it. You just have to reach out. Well, and I never thought I'd be talking about side hustles. You know, but so many people kept asking me, how do you do this outside the day job? Because I didn't even, people thought I was doing Perspective Collective full time, all the time in the beginning, because I was just so consistent. And then I started talking about, yo, this is just a side hustle. And then that's where it just started pouring in, like all these questions from all over. Like, man, I don't want to teach hand lettering. I want to teach you how to make time to grind and execute outside your day job and life responsibilities. 
And if I can do it and I got two kiddos and was doing a nine to five corporate gig, seven to four really, but it's like, if I can do it, like, why, why can't other people do it? So I was listening to what people struggled with. Yeah. And that's how I know like, okay, my perfect person is someone such as yourself, Elliot, who is grinding outside of a day job, working on your breaks, trying to put out content, try to grow your skills, grow your craft, invest in yourself and have conversations and rub shoulders with people that you want to get to know in the industry. You know, that's, I create for you. I I appreciate it. And it's fun to be able to see your growth in the time that I've followed you. And it's, it's amazing when, when you're able to connect with someone like yourself and just, like you said, you talk to people where it's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm talking to this person. Well, I'm in that moment right now. It's like, oh my gosh, well, I've been following you for that long. And to be able to actually see you here and actually ask you questions, it's like, okay, this it's is just a super chill, person. right? It's just like yeah. a chill conversation. It ain't nothing special. It's crazy, but you put people on a pedestal and it's like, well, how do you do this? And it's like, well, you just have to do the things needed to, to make it happen. The time management skills, the making sure that you're, you're focused on your craft and you have a plan. And that plan develops over time. And as somebody who's two years out of college, it's like, okay, well, I now don't have that sports to be the structure. I have to be the structure. So figuring out where those things go and creating your own path is, is everything. And it's exciting. Yeah. The chill Man, you're way further ahead of me than I was two years out of college, like way <laughs> further ahead. Like I didn't find my groove until I was 26. You know, I was a fuck up for sure. Yeah. Well, where did you kind of figure that out? Because you said that there was like the three-year period, but where was it the the moment that clicked where it's like, you said that it started with lettering. So where did it? Yeah, I would say, let's see, three years, couldn't get a job. Um, I had a pretty wild festival experience that kind of rewoke me up. That was pretty great. (laughs) Um, But that like lit a fire under me again and I started drawing again. That would have been in 2013. it just mentally changed me and I just kept drawing like crazy. And then one day, you know, I was ready to like give up art and everything. I'm like, screw this. I'm going to go get a job at the John Deere factory. And the next day I woke up to a phone call. Um, this dude was frantically trying to hire a graphic designer. And this is mind you three years of not being able to get a job. My portfolio sucked. You know, I, I didn't hold myself accountable and put in the work back then. And I just like blamed the world. No one wanted to hire me. I thought I was good. Honestly, I sucked you know, and got told no, or nobody responded back and just played victim. And then one day I was about to quit and three people the day before it all mentioned my name separately because of the logos I was creating on the side, because of this t-shirt company I was doing, because of the tattoo I drew for someone else, you know, so all those seeds I planted that didn't look like they were turning into anything, all people were paying attention behind the scenes. So even if you feel like no one's paying attention to what you're doing right now, one person may be paying attention and they never say anything to you. You know, like I didn't even know you were paying attention to anything I put out there for years until you finally started reaching out like silent admirers. You never know. And that day I got the job. It was like doing grunt car ads. And I was like, dude, fuck this. I just showed that if I just like put in the work, I take control and take initiative, like things will happen. And I just started obsessively drawing on Instagram, like obsessively for real, more than I'd ever done before. Just throwing my work out there throwing my work out there, storytelling and just putting like some motivational stuff in it because that's what I needed. And yeah, that led to one year later, starting Perspective Collective. Then I landed my big boy job because I actually killed it with a awesome portfolio. I got obsessed by like crushing it at the day job and then going home and crushing it with my side work. 
So I'd build my portfolio here and then grind on my personal work here. So I'd kill it at the day job and kill it here. Like I'm not one to be like, I'm a half at ass at the day job. And then just so I could focus on here, I'm like, no, I'm going to bust my ass here, show my value. I call it stealing from your day job, uh, stealing from your day job, learning all these valuable assets, tools, leveraging free Adobe creative cloud for five years, learning how to do web, having them send me to conferences to fuel my dream job, you know? So that's where it was. I just like woke up like, wow, here's this opportunity. And I created this on my own because of the work that I put in when I didn't think it was turning into anything, truly planting seeds. And you never know when one of those seeds are going to like sprout one day and then blossom and blow up to something. So yeah. seed planting business, honestly, episode I, going out tomorrow is all about planting seeds. All of this, what we're hey, talking we'll, about. So. We will be promoting it. Do not worry about it. That is awesome. That is awesome to hear. And when you have when you have those opportunities that you that just kind of come out of nowhere, it's it's cool to to see after the fact. It's tough in the moment, but the quarantine for me was that kick in the butt. It's like you get laid off. You think that this is gonna be your path. I was in a city that I had never been in before in Atlanta. And it's like, okay, well, I gotta start connecting with people to figure out what I need to do. And it wasn't easy, but it was one, what do I enjoy? which for me was drawing and podcasting. And I didn't know it was podcasting at the moment, but I enjoyed listening to podcasts like yourself and then also lacrosse. And I found all three of those things and I went for it. And now I'm looking to play lacrosse at a professional level. I'm looking to continue going in this podcast. And I, now that I have a job, it's like, okay, I can do my side hustle and draw and create for people if I, if I want to. And while all those goals are in other people's minds lofty, it's like, once I have them written down, it's like, all right, now I can start building a framework of making this happen. Set targets and work backwards. Yep. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's fun to see cause you don't, you don't really understand what's going to come of it. But if you create a plan for, for five years and a third of it comes true, you're, you're still able to figure out, all right, where's, where's my trajectory now? And you're further along than you were before. I think people just need to like suck it up. (laughs) This tough love. I'm like, so many people are scared to take action because they don't know what the results are going to be. You know, is this all going to be a waste? I guarantee if you just go all in and just give yourself a shot, even if like the path that you were working towards, like me with freelance, it doesn't turn into what you expected or what you thought. Something else is going to like, put you on the path that you're supposed to be going. You know, it's like, you just have to have a little faith in yourself, put faith in yourself, the universe, God, whatever it is. But like, you can't just tiptoe about and never take any action because you don't know what the end result's going to be. You'll never know. Like you, we can't predict the future, but we can look back and connect the dots and be like, okay, here's how the path worked out. It's a linear, it's a nonlinear chaotic trajectory you know it's like looking at the stock market or looking at crypto it's like up 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 down 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 up 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 down 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 higher highs lower lows that is what your creative career path is if you just like stay focused stay open stay active and keep building relationships along the way like opportunities will come absolutely and that's what it's about and it's just and getting to meet someone like yourself perspective collective i i appreciate you making time for me and my podcast and excited to see where you go in the future as well And thank you for your patience, you know, of helping me like find a time to make this happen again. Like I was in a season of, I had to say no to things right now. I had to say, no, I want to say yes to everything, 
but I'm like, I have so much on my plate. I still need to be a dad. I still need to be a husband. I still have my own goals outside of this. It's like, so thank you. Thank you for hey. bearing with me during that crazy ass season. So this was fun and I appreciate your time and having me on here today. Absolutely. Humbled. Hey, this is, this is awesome. And I hope that we can do this again. I, I appreciate it. Anytime you want me back on, just holler. Absolutely. Love you guys.